Hello, Sobertown. Let's jump on that sober train and ride into the wonderful world of sobriety. You can find all our podcasts and more at SobertownPodcast.com. Hello, my name is Bill W. and my co-host and partner is Kira. Hi, this is the sixth episode of the Uncovering Happiness podcast. Our hope for this podcast is to share stories about uncovering happiness so that you might do the same in your life. And our awesome guest today's name is Tim. And at the age of 52, he became a shapeshifter. He put down his corporate belt and put on a backpack and became a backcountry field guide. He's currently working on a dissertation on spiritually transformative experiences in wilderness therapy. And we met Tim last month in Park City, Utah at the Wilderness Therapy Symposium. And we're so excited to talk to Tim today, but before we begin, we'd like to take a moment for mindfulness. Mindfulness practices serve to transition us from whatever we were doing or thinking to this present moment. And we'd also like to take this moment to remember people we've lost due to addiction or suicide and to send out compassion and hope for those who are still touched by the suffering of mental illness and addiction. And of course, some self-love for ourselves. So let's just take a moment now together. Okay, thank you so much. Hi, Tim. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. So we're going to jump right in with our first question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, what does uncovering happiness mean to you? I think more than anything, it's getting out of the way. <laughs> uh, particularly with my, you know, my, in my recovery life, I had all kinds of rules and, and expectations and uh, things that I had to have to be just right so that I was able to, you know, kind of put down my substances and step into the life that I wanted to lead. And I realized that I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And, and so what happened over time is little by little things started to wear away. And I had to give them up um, simply because of the fact uh, they were being taken away from me. So um, uncovering happiness to me is, is recognizing that we have essentially the tools that we need internally, but oftentimes it takes a community, a spiritual basis, and a reaching outside of oneself to find what happiness might actually mean. Mm. Mm. That's quite the answer, Tim. So how did you reach outside yourself? Well, curiously enough, I, I originally did it uh, in 12-step recovery. And uh, uh, little by little, uh, I was able to begin speaking the truth after years of misdirection and deception and uh, particularly self-deception. And that led to being of service and, and getting into service work. And, and because I, service work was very important to me, 
I started to recognize that there was a much bigger uh, goal and mission at play. Mm -hmm. And that was to be of service to more people as much as possible. Cool. So in our intro to you, we kind of spoke about your shapeshifter <laughs> and what, where along the line did you, did you shape or did you shift yeah. from, from who you were at that point at age 52 to, yeah. to where you're going now? Well, it was an interesting thing. I, I was uh, a business consultant and general contractor living in Montana. And then uh, in 2008, when the economy tanked, all of my clients disappeared and uh, I was held with a lot of debt. I owned property and uh, that I couldn't sell and uh, or get a loan for. And uh, so I went to Washington, D.C. to try and reinvigorate my my uh, consulting business. And uh, I decided pretty quickly that I could not live in Washington, D.C., <laughs> nor could I work for an NGO or, or for, you know, I, I, the, the, whole, the whole scene was just really <laughs> toxic feeling to me. So I started applying for outs, outside jobs because I figured if I was going to go broke and, uh, uh, you know, kind of give everything up, I, I was losing most things <laughs> like my yeah. house and my, you know, my savings and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so I, I got a job hired by a company called Second Nature. And Second Nature is a wilderness therapy company. I had no idea what wilderness therapy was. And uh, I rode my motorcycle from DC to uh, Santa Clara, Utah, and uh, went through their training and uh, they offered me a job. And then I started working as a backcountry guide. Awesome. Nice. So, so what is that? What does that look like for people that may have no idea or this is the sure. first time they've heard of a wilderness therapy backcountry guide? Like what, what is the whole wilderness therapy thing? What does a guide do? That's a great question. Um, so wilderness therapy is a, a modality that's really unique in that most of the time participants are in wilderness or adventure uh, uh, areas, whether it's high ropes courses or uh, river rafting or, or doing something adventurous without uh, the influence of technology and the comforts of home and so forth and so on. And essentially the guide's purpose is to keep everyone safe, to uh, backpack or hike from place to place, typically in uh, areas where you're bushwhacking, meaning you don't have trails and uh, in wilderness areas. And um, and then being the uh, kind of boots on the ground for the therapeutic intervention for most of the clients who are, generally speaking, fall into two categories, adolescents, which are usually separated by gender, and then young adults, and young adults can go all the way up to 50, so, or 60, I mean, there's no, there's no, <laughs> but the majority of the clients uh, in young adult programs are 18 to 25. And uh, so it's to do hard skills and soft skills. Hard skills are things like making fires with bow drills, shelter building, uh, carving, uh, leather working, and so forth and so on to give yourself the tools that you need to uh, be comfortable and successful living in, uh, in the woods. And then the soft skills are things like 
communication styles and assertive communication, um, doing groups every day, taking on leadership skills, uh, being self-sufficient. A lot of the clients that we work with have never cooked for themselves and now they're, they have to learn how to cook uh, on a camp stove or a wood, uh, or a, a wood fire, hmm. um, which is a whole different kind of uh, skill set. And, and to learn how to live in community with a small group of people who are also going through the similar experience. So the guides are there to both help create a container as well as to carry out the therapeutic plan for each individual and for the group. Wow, that, that sounds like an incredibly awesome learning experience for you and for the people that are a part of the wilderness therapy groups. Yeah. That's much you, more immersive than um, what I did, right, Bill? Yes, yes. Adventure therapy in the suburban setting is not, <laughs> not wilderness therapy at all. There's no bow drills. There's no making fires. We did flint and steel fires, but... Oh, good. In a, in a pre-made fire pit. So sure. Yeah. A little different. But the transformative experience that the clients have, I'm sure, is is very much the same. Could you speak a little to that? Like, what is it about wilderness therapy or the nature-based experience that you found most transformative for the people you worked with? Sure. Well, first and foremost, I found the transformation in myself. Yes that I, I witnessed me unburdening from all of the societal, cultural pressures that I had been feeling for a long time. And I didn't have a phone to listen to or pay attention to. I didn't have a computer to have to, um, uh, you know, look at 300 emails a day. I didn't have any of those distractions. And then, and then the, the healing nature of being in a wild place is really quite extraordinary. And there's a variety of reasons for this. Everything from the epigenetic fact that when we're, we're living outside, it starts to turn on genetic features that have been dormant for many people. So acute uh, senses, for example, my, my sense of hearing and sight and smell all were increased because I was paying attention to them. And those things, when you're outside and you're outside in a, in a sometimes very challenging environment with weather and uh, wildlife and so forth and so on, you become much more attuned, not only to the environment, but to yourself in the environment. Meaning, uh, you know, human as an animal begins to take precedence over human as a uh, conscious tool maker that's constantly trying to uh, manipulate the environment. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what happened for me. And then I, I noticed that the shifts that were happening in the clients was sometimes mm -hmm. extraordinary, meaning people that were coming in with suicidal, suicidal ideation, uh, depression, anxiety, um, uh, you know, existential crises, you name it, were on occasion having these remarkable transformative experiences where in the first time in their lives, sometimes they felt as if though they had found a direction and a purpose to their lives. 
I can relate to a lot of those ideas that you just brought forth. When we hiked the Appalachian Trail, I remember the first days, it's like you're, you're shedding a skin as you realize that when you check your phone 10 times an hour, that you still don't have cell phone service and that cell phone service really isn't, isn't a thing anymore. Like it's just, it's gone. And then you can like shake that off, you know, all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't have that anymore. So I don't have to check my phone. So that, that feels good. And you didn't even realize you needed that to feel better. Right. And then all of the thoughts of like, Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. Or what about next week? And then it's like, well, I'm out here on a trail, so I can't do anything about that either. So I can drop that out of my, my backpack. I don't have to carry that around with me anymore. And then, you know, two and a half weeks later, you smell someone that just started hiking and they just took a shower that day. You're like, wow, <laughs> I, can, I can smell your Tide laundry. That's, yeah, right. that's an, incredible. I, I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, and just like you said, all those animal instincts as a human, they start coming out. They start expressing themselves. And yeah, I'll never forget the, the smells of freshly showered people from, you didn't even know where they were, but you could smell them. You could smell yeah. them from a mile away. Oh yeah, yeah like, it's jarring. It's, it's yeah. wild. Yeah. Wild. Animals too. I mean, I oh, yeah. developed a, a sense of of smelling other animals before I could see them or hear them, yeah. and you become more like those wild creatures in that way. And it's an instinct, like you, you had said, like that's dormant. Um, we have so many natural skills that we don't use and are valuable. Yeah, you know, it's a curious it's a curious thing. There, there's this, you know, both shrugging off a lot of the um, <clears throat> the things that we think we need mm -hmm. to be okay. And then over time, um, recognizing that as I went feral, and, and that's my <laughs> favorite term for, for oh that. Oh my gosh, I love and that. That makes me so happy. start going feral, it's <laughs> like, I like sleeping on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I like eating food over a campfire. Yeah. In fact, I like it better. The food tastes so much better. I mean, even beans and rice takes on oh. this quality of something extraordinary when you're hungry and you've been hiking for hours. <laughs> so the effort yeah. you put in is, is this real connection to something um, powerful where we are attentive to our experience. Mm -hmm. Versus sitting in front of the TV and munching down, you know, whatever, and paying no attention to the food really whatsoever. Yeah. And being completely distracted and and having our attention diffuse. Hmm. Yeah, for for me, the the food thing was was really interesting. I was in love with mayonnaise. <laughs> we we would pack out like one of those like squeeze plastic squeeze bottles you know it's like a serving yeah. of 75 yeah right and, you know we'd eat that thing in like five days and i would just put spoonfuls of mayonnaise on a you know, uh, a spoon and just eat it <laughs> but it, it like it made me so happy my brain it, it loved all the fat that was in there and it was like this is what i need i love this and yeah, yeah. 
mayonnaise. Never. Oh, Chris, me out to think of you doing that, though. So. <laughs> uh, well, Kira, you were doing it at the end too. You weren't as you weren't eating mayonnaise on cheese, but you were you were loading up on the mayonnaise. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to the next question, Tim. Are you ready? Yep. So, who <laughs> are you now? Who are you now? And where are you on your journey to uncover happiness? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think I'm always in, in a process of discovery. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't ever want to stop that. I, I have, uh, I've got either a mountain bike ride or a hike planned for this weekend. It doesn't really matter which. I just need to get outside. And I know that as I do that, I... <clears throat> You know, I both, it's both a kind of form of exercise, but it's also a psychological and for me, even a spiritual exercise that here I am being a person on the earth and connecting with uh, the natural world around me and, and being immersed in it. And I happen to live in an incredibly beautiful place in Northern Arizona near Sedona, where hiking outside or mountain biking is really extraordinary. So, um, the, the aspect of discovering happiness, I, I go back to uh, a Martin Seligman idea. Um, Martin Seligman is a psychologist and, and professor at uh, Penn State, was for many years anyway, who um, came up with this idea of there are five aspects to happiness. And there's positive emotions, there's engagement, relationships, um, meaning, and achievement. And so I gauged my, my sense of happiness on those five criteria. And I don't get them all at the same time. And in fact, it's not important to actually be quote unquote happy most of the time. What's important is to feel worthwhile and connected. Mm -hmm. So even, you know, positive emotions are, are, I think, one thing that people, I think, misunderstand in Seligman's work because a positive emotion is one that aligns with your experience. So for example, in the last couple of years, I've, I've had a lot of loss. I've, I've lost people uh, who passed away who were very close to me. I've had uh, physical challenges. I've had several surgeries, joint replacements, and you know, you name it. Anyway, is to recognize that a positive emotion then is to be able to have grief mm. and, and to express the grief. It's, it's able to have sadness and to recognize loss and to align my both actions and, and psychology towards those particular kinds of emotions and, and psychological constructs. Um, and for a long time in my life, particularly in my, in my pre-recovery life, I, I, you know, I always wanted to keep all of the bad things at bay, you know, no matter what. So I, if I could drink it away, you know, then I didn't have to think about things. Then I, that was my solution. And now the, you know, the process of uncovering happiness really is about um, seeing what's showing up and, and being authentic in that experience, no matter what it is, you know, whether it's a difficulty, a challenge, a you know, in the environment that I think we're all living in with coronavirus and, and political divisiveness and all this stuff in America, um, 
I've recognized that if I can show up and be authentic in each of these kinds of relationships, both with people that I may completely be in conflict with normally, I'm opening more to understanding rather than um, relying on this, I'm, I'm right, they're wrong, this kind of, you know, duality of experience rather than recognizing other people have got different challenges. I don't know what they are. And I really want to try and find common uh, dialogue. And that leads to this idea of, of, of relationship, you know, being in relationship, not just to, you know, other people, but even other people that I, I may not normally interact with. Um, being in relationship with the environment, being in relationship to the community, being in relationship to, uh, you know, the endeavors, the work that I've taken on in my life. So what I found in all of that is my sense of meaning is expanding. And I used to have to, you know, I, early on in recovery, I used to think like, I really want to have answers to things. And now the answers aren't so important. Um, because the answers change all the time, yeah. but the questions are important. Hmm. And, and the questions usually coming back to me are, who am I? Where am I going? How do I get there? <laughs> yeah, that sounds familiar. That's what we're all about. Continuously speaking. Yeah, the, um, what you said about happiness isn't, what we think it is you know it's, it's like growing up you think happiness is like a, a big yellow smiley face and that that's just like what it is and a puppy and a puppy well puppies probably are just happiness so <laughs> that's just what puppies are yeah. um <laughs> but like the actual like happiness is it's like a paradigm shift from that because it's like happiness is above grief and excitement and love and sadness. But when you experience those things, that's, that's what we are as humans. We're all of those together. And when I can be sad one day and know the next day I could be happy, you know, that, that makes, or like maybe not use the word happy, but excited for something. Um, or I can just go to bed and, wake up for another day like that all that is like a, in the happiness jar of life yeah i doubt about it yeah interesting speaking of like how we can uncover happiness through sobriety or recovery um i was holding on to grief holding on slash keeping at bay like you had mentioned for over 10 years, um, I lost my high school boyfriend when I was 18 and he was 20 years old. We were together for four and a half years, thought wow. we'd get married one day. And that grief did not start, even start to dissolve until my first year in recovery. And I think there was some part of using my addiction um, to not fully feel those feelings. And once I was able to fully feel them, um, I, I still had grief, but it was, it had, it had transformed. I had developed a relationship with grief yeah. and finally I healed. And 
additionally, in my, I remember in my first month of sobriety, I felt anger for the first time since I was maybe a teenager. Wow. I hadn't felt angry in over a decade. And when I felt that anger, actually, Bill, I might've been angry at you. I'm not sure. But <laughs> somebody awesome. made me angry and I expressed it. I expressed it in a way that shocked me. I didn't recognize yeah. myself. And then afterwards, I was so happy. It was so weird that I could feel so angry. And then there was, there was a happiness about feeling angry because I had never really experienced it in such a long time. And yeah. it completely transformed and showed me that I could actually be happy being angry. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, one of, that's another thing that happens in wilderness pretty regularly is that people come and they've got lots of really powerful emotions and sometimes very significant trauma mm -hmm. and you get to work it out physically. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the curious thing about experiential work psychologically or, or in any way is that our bodies are learning the answer rather than us coming up mm -hmm. with an idea. Because the ideas, you know, they're fleeting and they're and they don't have a lot of substance. But when you hike ten miles, I'll tell you what, it's got substance. Yeah, <laughs> you know it. Your body knows it. And there's this sense of accomplishment, and um, and connectedness. And I keep coming back to this idea of connectedness and and remembering a few years ago in sobriety circles where you know that was kind of like the catchword is, you know, it's really about connection, which I agree with that. You know, if we're connected to ourselves, our mission, our community, our goals, our, our, you know, trajectory, then things happen. But if we're not connected, then we want to avoid and run away and hide and, you know, watch Netflix and <laughs> you name it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, um, I, I cried so many times while we were hiking and... It just like, it just bubbles up out of you, you know, you don't have to, I, I, I don't know if I was thinking about anything in particular or if I just suppressed it for so long and then all of a sudden it just comes out and just start crying and you don't know why, but it feels yep. so good when it's out of you and yeah. you just feel lighter and you're like, oh man, yeah. why didn't that happen like 10 years ago? Yep. And yeah, the, the whole being grounded and having connection to the things that you have to do every day getting water cooking food going to the bathroom and and those are the only things that you have to do just surviving that that brings about a connection that is so much it's like simpler it's less confusing and it, it allows for a lot more space for your body and your mind to work together to understand what what is going on and that what's been going on in your mind for 10 years that you haven't been able to like think about or like get in touch with yeah yeah no doubt about it hmm. all right next question tim who do you want to be Um, I, I have this idea of myself as a kind of spiritual warrior. 
<clears throat> and for me, that means um, doing the work, doing my, my personal work, um, having a healthy body, a healthy mind, healthy relationships, um, and then trying to communicate that to other people. I try to communicate with the clients that I work with, but also people that I just meet in passing. And essentially, I think that we're, you know, we are, we are looking at a really frightening inflection point in the history of humanity on the planet with climate change and with uh, ecological devastation. Um, and we are going to need people to be uh, on board for working towards a solution and trying to get more people aligned to do that. You know, the reality is, is that we're all living on this, this planet. And unless we're a billionaire flying off to Mars sometime soon, um, we're going to have to do whatever we can do to try and salvage the planet that we have. Um, otherwise, it's, you know, my sense is it's going to get really dire for humans in the next couple of generations. I mean, all of, all of the predictions are certainly pointing towards that. You know, and I have, I have young people that I work with on a regular basis that say, like, are we even going to be here in 20 years? Uh, you know, where am I going to go? You know, what, what am I going to do? What even, what point does it make if I take on a career, if, if all of this is going to collapse? So, you know, in the face of that kind of existential dread, I see myself as, as being someone that says there's a way out. Uh -huh. And, and the way out is, is each of us taking on the responsibility of living more consciously on the planet and making better decisions with our, our money, with our interactions, with our relationships, our behaviors, so that we're having less and less of an impact negatively on the natural environment, which sustains all of us. Mm. That is awesome. I love that. I think that was so well put. And that leads me into your dissertation. Is, is okay. that something, something to do with your dissertation in, in a way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. Can you explain to us what your dissertation is all about? Sure. So the dissertation is Spiritually Transformative Experiences in Wilderness Therapy. And, you know, by, by definition, uh, a dissertation is a, a narrow slice of uh, information. So the the thing that refines this kind of, you know, uh, research view is that it's a very specific kind of environment, wilderness therapy. It's addressing the experiences of participants and it's talking about the changes that happen in an individual's uh, self-concept, in their belief systems, in their values, and then how they begin to put those into practice. So I'm, you know, as I mentioned previously, I noticed in myself and in other people that they were undergoing these remarkable transformations of what on the outside looks like a relief from difficulties. Mm -hmm. Now, people who are highly traumatized begin to recognize that they are resilient and they have strength and that ultimately they can find growth through their experiences and integration. And, uh, you know, what I, I noticed in myself was this sense of the possible, meaning 
my life is not defined by my age, my education, my, you know, all these external things. It's defined by how authentic and curious uh, I want to be about the world and then putting those, those observations into practice. So for me, my values not, not only shifted quite dramatically, but uh, there was a, a, a different relationship that I had with my idea of who I was. And that relationship came from one of, I'm a damaged human being who, you know, was an alcoholic uh, and, and will never, you know, amount to much, <laughs> which is a message I got when I was a kid. Um, hmm. Getting kicked out of school and, and getting into trouble and having to go in the military and, you know, so forth and so on. Uh, and, but I started to recognize that, you know, that these spiritually transformative experiences happen all the time if we pay attention. And, and in an environment like wilderness, they happen in a way that is very condensed and consolidated and vibrant. Mm. And the first time I had that experience, curiously enough, was in basic training. Uh, I went in the, the army uh, a long, long time ago. And uh, I went in and I, I, was, I was a kid that was really having a lot of problems. I had a GED, um, but I'd gotten kicked out of school. I had legal problems. Um, you know, typical young alcoholic uh, kind of uh, history. Anyway, I'm in the I, I'm in the army and I'm in basic training and I, I'm really realizing it's really hard. And I was in Fort Polk, Louisiana, in the middle of summer, and there's, there's no air conditioning. It's hot all the time. You're sweating all the time. And I, I again, I recognize like I feel pretty good. I, I kind of like this. Nice. In fact, I'm I'm not only like this, but I'm getting good at it. And I connected with the people around me, not in a way that was uh, superficial, but fundamental. Like I'm working with these people and our lives could depend on one another. Mm. Well, that's a whole different way of looking mm. at the world rather than I want to go hang out with somebody and get loaded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's what, that's where I, I think part of my experience in the woods really became transformative because I, I spent most of my military career outside. Um, you know, thankfully it was never, uh, uh, in combat, but I, I did have the opportunity to spend a lot of time in forests and woods and mud and weather and snow and, <laughs> and so forth and recognized that, uh, I really enjoyed all of that and that I was shifting dramatically in that experience. Well, in, in wilderness therapy, I, I, you know, my sense is, is that we do it in a very short amount of time. You know, the average length of stay for most clients is eight to 12 weeks. And in that time, uh, you know, most of the people that I've, I've talked to who've been participants will, will say what an extraordinary experience it was for them. Life-changing is the thing that comes up oftentimes. And, and that they used to think of themselves one way, but now they think of themselves in a very different way. So the problem uh, with, with all of that is how do you hold on to it? How do you hold on to that experience like hiking the Appalachian Trail? <laughs> You're not on the trail anymore. It's yeah. still a part of you. But little by little, those realizations, that catharsis begins to wear off. 
and and what do we do to you know keep uh, keep in touch with that to 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 hold on to it um and that that's that's i guess the thing that's the direction i'm pointing in is that a spiritually transformed experience is 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 one thing the most important thing is what you do with it and how you integrate that into your life yeah that's awesome tim um I'm actually giving a presentation at the Appalachian Long Distance Hikers Association nice. this year. Yeah. And I, that's exactly, everything that you just said is exactly what I'm attempting to impart on the people who attend my workshop slash presentation. Because um, post-hike depression or yeah. post-trail depression yeah. is a really common thing. And yeah. um, when you look out there, for resources, there aren't any that are specific to that. I mean, you could go and get a therapist or a counselor um, anywhere, but there is a sense that number one, um, this isn't normal. And so I shouldn't need to go see a therapist because I just finished an amazing adventure, but yet that needs to be validated because it's that experience is true and then also you know will someone understand the magnitude of the experience and the different types of transformations that i that i had and i feel as though it relates a lot to what you just said what happens to someone when they leave wilderness therapy is there a continued conversation or continued integration of those experiences and Yeah, it's so important. Well, I, I continue to work with a lot of those people who've been in wilderness therapy and uh, have many of them have gone on to a transitional program. And I always bring up like, what are you doing outside? Yeah. And, you know, when people are doing that outside, invariably they feel better. Mm-hmm. And when they're not, they don't. And I, I don't want to make it as simplistic as that, but the fact is, is that there's a lot of things going on when we are immersed in nature and it's, mm-hmm. it's exercise, but it's also this, this kind of, you know, profound uh, sense of belonging to something, right? I belong to this planet. I belong here. This is my place. And when I'm out in the dirt and the rocks and the, you know, here, a lot of cacti and, and uh, it's like, I know these places. I'm familiar with them. I, I came across a, uh, a uh, big diamondback uh, the other day hiking. And I thought like, I love this. I love uh-huh. being able to encounter, you know, these, these animals out in the wild. And I was mountain biking not long ago and came across a bobcat on the trail. Nice. And we just stared and we just stared at each other for five minutes just kind of like recognizing one another like oh here you are here i am and we're in this together Mm -hmm. um so i (laughs) i think i've kind of lost sight of the the original question but um there yeah you know there's this sense that i have of, of a deep and profound uh sense of who i am when I'm, when I'm doing that kind of work. And the more time I'm able to spend in nature, uh, the more time I'm, I'm able to reconnect to that feeling of belonging, the better off I am. Yeah. Nice, awesome, I love it. And that brings me to the next question. 
how are you going to get there? How are you <laughs> going to become a, how are you going to become the spiritual warrior, Tim? Yeah. Tell me, tell us. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad, really glad you're asking that. I, I, I mean, a part of this is me, you know, completing this dissertation and, and publishing some things about it. Um, I've got another uh, writing project that's in the works about, um, you know, the importance of, of being open to possibilities and potentials. And, cool. um, and then setting up, a, I've got a new uh, website that's not posted yet, but it's in process called wildrecovery.net. And um, that's really gonna be informational. Um, it's going to be given resources and and uh, to both wilderness therapy, e ecological movements, um, uh, psychological self help, flow theory, you know, you name it. And and it's just a I want it to be a forum for <clears throat> people to gain uh, access to some of the information that I've been privy to, as well as to. Uh, uh, start connecting people together and, and doing group work and connecting to, uh, you know, projects and uh, programs outside of ourselves. You know, like for me, uh, the, you know, National Park Service, I'm a big supporter and Sierra Club, and, you know, a lot of these kinds of organizations that are doing really important work on behalf of us, us and the planet. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of the short answer. And then, the other part of this is just to do more outreach, um, you know, to connect with more people, to, and particularly to connect with people that that have, you know, conflicting views. It's, mm -hmm. it's very easy for me to have conversations with people who agree with what I have to say. It's yeah. a, a different matter when I'm I'm trying to communicate this to people that don't get it, they don't understand why you would do something so ridiculous like purposefully going out and sleeping on the ground. <laughs> um, yeah, people in my family didn't get it. I, I remember my mother saying to me, like, so why do you want to do that? Um, thinking I was probably not quite right in the head because I'd had a, <laughs> you know, a kind of suit and tie job for quite a while. And I was had been quite successful at it. And then, uh, you know, I'm dirty, you know, only bathing once a week. <laughs> yeah. My beard's long. I'm Feral. really, really suntanned and, and feeling healthy and uh, looking kind of, you know, like, uh, like a wilder kid. And uh, <laughs> um, which is a little scary for my mom. But for me, uh, it was like, wow, this is, this is good. Yeah. I, like, I like your use of wilder kid. <laughs> for me, like being in the wilderness that was like even just like thinking about it seeing pictures of where i was and like nobody can see me see your no. view right now but mountains are there and wilder kid is that's like that's just who i who i've always wanted to be when i was a child that's where my mind went it was like oh i'm gonna go roll around the dirt i'm gonna go live under a tree i'm gonna go catch some fish and I'm just gonna be dirty all the time and have fun. Yep. And that's that's like what it's all about for me. It's just reconnecting with my inner child because that's what my inner child wanted, but didn't get until 35. Yep, I hear you. 
Yeah, it's kind of a sad thing when we when we lose the ability to go out and play in mud puddles. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, who decided that we had <laughs> to be either. too old to go play in mud puddles. Like, <laughs> I still, if there's a puddle on the sidewalk, I am jumping in it. I'm they're getting so everybody wet. It's <laughs> so fun because people are like, I don't want to get wet, and then they get wet and they see the splash. Like, wow, that was pretty fun. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is walk down a mountain in the pouring rain when the trail is like a river and your oh, yeah. feet are just soaked in the water and you're splashing all over the place and it's just you see the power of everything happening and oh, yeah. you just feel so connected. Yep. <laughs> love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. I think that brings us to our bonus question. Okay. Oh, goody. Okay. Zero All right, five. here we go. Uh, it's, it's not too hard. Okay. Um, I don't think. So, Tim, what is one thing on your stop doing list and one thing on your start doing list? Wow. Okay. Stop. Um, wow. There's a bunch of things on that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me come up with the one, the one that stands out is stop mindless entertainment. Mm. Ooh. Like what? What is that? Oh, it's just, it's anytime, uh, it's anytime when I find myself in an activity uh, where I'm not really fully engaged and I'm a mm. passive recipient. So watching TV, you know, um, you know, reading reading things that, that are just, um, kind of nonsense and and like guilty pleasures like i i, I like apocalyptic fiction <laughs> <laughs> and i can just i can really read that stuff and then after a while i, I start to recognize like wow this is really affecting me yeah. and, mm. and i don't necessarily want to 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 have that i'm 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 looking for i think in the terms of uh the definition of apocalypse is the big reveal so I want to I want to focus on things that are revealing, and the things that I want to start doing are really uh, to learn more about shamanism and uh, earth-based uh, spiritual practices, because my life is becoming much more aligned with that, and recognizing that a lot of in indigenous people and uh, have still held on to this kind of spirituality, which is very earth-based and recognizes the spirit within all living things that's really cool tim i love that thanks for sharing that with us yeah my pleasure so we end every podcast with a happiness or inspirational quote this one is from milton erickson the famous um psychologist he might have been a psychiatrist um, famous for hypnotherapy, family therapy. And Milton said this, life will bring you pain all by itself. Your responsibility is to create joy. So Tim, what does this mean to you? Any initial reactions, thoughts, or feelings about that quote? Absolutely. I love it. Uh, yeah. And joy for me is, has to do with flow and being able to get into a state of flow more often on a regular basis 
Um, it's why I like extreme sports. I like being outside. I love going into storms. Um, and, uh, yeah, joy is when I'm not thinking about what an amazing experience I'm having. I'm just having it. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. I, I too really like adventuring into a storm, <laughs> like a weather storms. Um, if it's raining outside, I love going for a hundred mile bike ride through the storm. I, it's just, it, I don't know, man, something about the rain and the, the clouds and the wind and you're just, you're just there and you're like, whoa, this is powerful. You get to feel it. Yep. <laughs> All right, Tim. Thank you so much. That concludes our podcast with you today. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. And we also want to thank all the listeners out there just spending, giving us their time and listening to what we have to say. And I want to let everybody know we have a worksheet to help you uncover your happiness. It's a free resource that we've made for you, and it'll lead you to find out who you are now, who you want to be, and how you're going to get there. If you want the link to the worksheet, it will be below. And if you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, there will be a link to that as well. So thank you all. And thank you, Tim, so much. It was a pleasure having a conversation with you today. Thanks, Carol. And we'll see you next time. Peace okay. and love. Thanks, Bill. Thank, thank you. Care. All right.